0: Our scripture reading for today is on page 14 in your bulletin. It's from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. Before we read together, though, please join me in a prayer for illumination. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can trust that it never returns to you void, but always accomplishes the purposes for which you sent it. We pray this morning that you would empower Pastor Jim as he exposits this very well-known passage to us. Give us eyes to see that the battle that we fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, things we cannot see, but a battle for which we desperately need your Holy Spirit. Thank you that we can trust you And we look forward to what you're going to do this morning in our midst in the name of jesus amen Amen. ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 20. finally be strong in the lord and in the strength of his might put on the whole armor of god that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers That words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. The word of the Lord.
1: The 2010 uh, French film of Gods and Men is based on the true story of a group of French Trappist monks who were living in Algeria in the 1990s. Algeria was a predominantly Muslim country, but the monks had established a medical clinic in a village in order to serve the community. However, in in 1992, a brutal civil war broke out between the Algerian government and Islamic extremists. Uh, This left the monks with a dilemma that the movie uh, uh, shares. It it was becoming increasingly dangerous uh, for them to live there. They had become the target of the rebels, and it became clear that they had a decision to make. Uh, They could stay in Algeria, continuing their ministry despite the danger, or they could return to safety in France. Near the end of the movie, there's a powerful scene where they gather as a group uh, to make their decision, and they decide to stay. Uh, In this scene, they're gathered around a table. It's it's arranged kind of like a a Last Supper painting. Uh, They're drinking a tape recorder. They're listening to Tchaikovsky's Swan Lake. Uh, Writing in The Guardian, uh, the reviewer, Peter Bradshaw, said this about this, this particular scene in the movie. The camera does nothing but pan slowly around the table, minutely watching these men's careworn faces as they absorb the mystery of their own deaths. It is perhaps one of the most sensational things I have seen on the big screen. Many who have watched this scene find it overwrought, overdone, and the Tchaikovsky unsubtle. Well, maybe, uh, but each time I have watched it, frankly, I have become overwhelmed with an emotion I can't possibly describe. I am almost tempted to say that cinema audiences should be required to stand during this sequence, like concert goers during the hallelujah chorus in Handel's Messiah. I didn't know you were supposed to stand during the hallelujah chorus, so (laughs) now we're all prepared if we go to a a Christmas concert. this quote illustrates uh, two things that, that uh, this, this reviewer, I think, is, is articulating about the, the power that he felt in, in this, this movie scene. First, it, it reminds us of the power of a story of love and sacrifice. In our secular age, we often doubt that there is anything beyond this material world, but stories of self-sacrifice still have tremendous power To move us. Jamie Smith calls these cracks in the secular, because they point us to a higher reality, a a transcendent meaning in our lives beyond what we can see and touch. And this this emotion that uh, Peter Bradshaw says he can't possibly describe, you know, seems like a window into that reality. Second, I wanted to share with you this this film and this scene, because the story of these monks illustrates the command that we heard several times in our scripture uh, this morning. Four times, Paul says in Ephesians 6, uh, he he tells the Christians to stand or to withstand in the midst of the most challenging circumstances. And and that's what these monks were able to do in their own context and way in order to serve others. Uh, They were able to choose to to stand, Uh, though in the end, it cost them their lives uh, after they're kidnapped and, and killed. So over the next several weeks, uh, we're going to be taking a closer look at this uh, passage that we just read, uh, this metaphor of the armor of God that's, encouraged, that, that, that's given to us to encourage us to keep standing in the face of trouble. And the Apostle Paul calls this the armor of light or the armor of God, and this armor describes a source of protection and, and strength that allows you to, to stand in times of hardship or darkness or attack. Now, I don't think that Paul intends this uh, armor only for times of extraordinary difficulty. This armor is for the normal Christian life. And uh, it tells you three things that we're going to consider today. And we're going to come back to this passage uh, several times over the coming weeks. But for today... Uh, first, this armor tells you where you can stand, where you stand. Second, this armor tells you why you can stand. And finally, this armor tells you how to stand. And so let's look at each one of these. Uh, first, this, this, imager, uh, this image of uh, putting on armor uh, tells you where you stand. Now, clothing tells you a lot about a person's context. If you're wearing a bathing suit, uh, you're probably not at a wedding. Uh, You're at a pool or a lake. You know, if you put on a white lab coat, uh, you're probably in a lab or or at a hospital. And if you're wearing armor, uh, there's likely a battle going on. And in our text today, there are two things that Paul wants the Christians to whom he is writing to know about where they stand in this battle. First, uh, he urges them to stand in God's strength and power. In verse 10, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Notice that he uses three words for strength here in this, this short verse. Be strong in the strength of his might. These are three different words in Greek. Dunamos, kratos, and iskus. And it's not an accident that he uses these words here. At the very beginning of this letter, uh, in chapter 1, verse 19, Paul uses the same words to talk about what God has accomplished in the person and work of Jesus. Uh, There he describes the immeasurable greatness of God's power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. You see, this isn't just any strength that he's talking about. This is God's resurrection power. The power that God revealed when he raised Jesus from the dead. Paul is is telling them, telling us to be strong, to stand in that power. And this is the first thing we need to know about where we stand. We stand after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Christians stand in his resurrection power. And and the the Christian starting point is always just this, the victory that Jesus has already won. But there's a second thing that must be said at the same time. Uh, As we've said, if you're putting on armor, it's because there's still a battle going on. And this is why Paul goes on to say in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Even though we've said that there is a source of unimaginable power available for those who believe in Jesus, this doesn't mean that there's no ongoing battle to fight. This is a very practical point for understanding what it means to be a Christian. If you're a Christian, that means that you're saved by by faith on the basis of what Jesus has done for you, but this does not mean that there's no action for you to take in response. It means that you have now entered the arena, that you are engaged in the battle that really matters in his strength. You know, we hear constantly now in the news what it's like to be in a war zone, whether it's in Ukraine or in Gaza. Can you imagine being on the front line of a war zone and not knowing where you stand? Just being oblivious to the battle going all around you. This is uh, what it's like for someone uh, who Uh, God has called uh, to wear this armor, uh, to stand aware of the fight, uh, and yet ignores it completely and does not prepare. If you have no sense of of struggle against sin and temptation in your life, you might want to ask yourself if you know where you stand. So Paul tells us two things. He tells us that we stand in God's power, uh, his resurrection power, and the world is a different place because Jesus is risen from the dead. But we also stand in mind, if we only focus on what Jesus has already accomplished without any expectation that there's a struggle ahead for us, that there will be suffering and hardship as we follow him, then you will be very disoriented when it comes to you, or you will be unprepared for the temptation that uh, you face. But Jesus told his disciples in advance what to expect. He said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospels will save it. Suffering is always hard, but it should never be a surprise for Christians. Hard times, pressures, anxieties will come to you, but God gives you a way to stand firm. And this brings us to our second point. The image of the armor of God Uh, tells us where we stand, but it also tells us why we can stand. It offers a source of confidence and security no matter what our circumstances might be. Verse 11 again. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And in verse 13, he says it again. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day in having done all, to stand firm. Why can you stand when you're wearing this armor? Uh, First, because it gives you a source of strength that comes from beyond yourself. The picture here is not just of God simply supplementing our strength, It's not just that he has some extra armor lying around in storage that he gives to us. No, the the picture here is of that this is God's own armor. This is the armor of God. It's, It's God's armor that he gives to us. And we're gonna see this more clearly next week when Evan preaches on the breastplate of righteousness. But today, I just want you to see that the gift of this armor means that God gives what is needed for the Christian life. He doesn't simply send us on a great quest on our own, but he provides everything that is needed for the journey. In The Lord of the Rings, uh, Bilbo Baggins gives his nephew Frodo a shirt of dwarven mail uh, when he sets out on the journey to destroy the one ring. And Frodo doesn't really grasp why he needs it, until it saves his life in the mines of Moria. In the same way, God gives everything that is needed for the Christian at the outset of the journey. The author, Brian Chappell, uh, says this. Paul's point eludes us when, when we ask, how can I provide truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, in the Spirit? His point becomes evident when we ask, who supplies truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, salvation, and the Spirit? And the answer is, God supplies it. Chapel goes on to give an illustration of what this is like, following the imagery of this armor very closely. He says, uh, imagine that you're standing on the battlefield, looking out through the faceplate of the helmet of salvation that God has given to you. And through that slit, you see coming toward you assaulting forces of the evil one with all his dominions, powers, and authorities. And just seeing that cloud of darkness approach from this mighty enemy, you're afraid that you can't stand. The ground shakes. Uh, Your knees begin to buckle. And then here's how Chapel describes what happens. Uh, Then the Apostle Paul, like a general on the field of battle, calls out, "'Steady now. Do not retreat. Take your stand. Be strong in the power of his might. Forget the strength that you thought you could provide. Remember the might of the armor God has given to you. Resurrection power has given you a breastplate of his righteousness, the shield of faith, feet that are shod with readiness that comes from being at peace.'" with the sovereign of the universe. Beyond all of these defenses, he has given you an ultimate weapon, the sword of the spirit, that is the word of God. Now confident of the strength and integrity of the armor that you've been given, stand firm. This is an invitation to believe that you can stand firm because God cares for you this much, that he has provided everything that you need. He has not left you on your own or given you just some minimum of supplies. He's provided all that is necessary to face even the hardest battles with the strength that comes from him. He's like the father in the parable of the prodigal son. When he sees his son returning, he's not stingy. Uh, He holds nothing back from his son. He says to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and and put a ring on his hand and, and shoes on his feet. Jesus shows us a God who is not distant from our problems, but he's active in clothing us and preparing us and empowering us. If you believe that God is distant and unconcerned, You'll have the mindset of uh, an orphan, you know, one who's just required to figure out life on their own. You'll believe that you've got to find your own way uh, without expecting anyone to help. But in Jesus, God reveals himself as a father who participates with us in every dimension of human life. He's not far off, he's up close, and he's intimately involved with our needs. Think about the ministry of Jesus, healing the sick, casting out demons, feeding the hungry, spending time with the lonely and the outcast. This is the same God who gives us his own armor to empower us to stand in the face of evil. He doesn't just give us a part of his armor. He gives us the whole armor. So how can we stand firm? And the answer, friends, is really very simple. It's by putting on the armor that he supplies, believing and trusting that he really has given us resources for the uh, the challenges that face us and he invites us to use them. And that's what we want to study over the coming weeks. We're gonna consider each piece of this armor and and how it helps us. We learn what God has provided for us, and and then we put it into practice. And today, let me just say a few words about uh, this first piece of the armor, uh, the belt of truth, that we fasten on. Commentators uh, disagree about what the imagery of the belt here is exactly, Uh, Some say it's a kind of girdle that was worn by soldiers underneath all their other clothing. Uh, Others see it as a belt that would hold the sword. What people often miss uh, is that the word for belt in verse 14 is not a noun, uh, but a verb. This is an action. We could uh, translate it, stand therefore belting your waist with truth. And this is because Mediterranean people didn't wear pants with, with belt loops like, like we do. They wore long flowing robes and belting your waist or, or girding your loins was something that you did to prepare for action, You know, whether to go into a battle or on a journey. The, the belt would be a sash or a rope that would tie everything together. And you did this so that your robes would be pulled tight and your legs were free to run or to walk. So it's not random that this is the first piece of the armor that Paul identifies. This is the first essential step to standing firm. You must have the belt of truth around your waist because it holds everything together. In chapter one of his letter, Paul told the Ephesian Christians that in Christ, they had heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation. To put on truth as this belt means to receive this great announcement of truth in the gospel, to believe it and to know that you can stand on it. This is what holds everything together and in place for a Christian, to know the truth of God's love as he's shown himself in Jesus and to trust him. Jesus says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. When we do not fasten on the belt of truth, when we leave it to the side, we forget God's promises and the assurances of Scripture. But when you believe that the gospel is true, that Jesus really did die and rise again for you, then you have a place to stand no matter what, Else is happening around to you. Uh, you have a, a place to rest secure in a culture that is always changing. Starting from a commitment to the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done, you can be a person of truth seeking in every area of life. You have a place from which you can evaluate trends to be able to sort out what is good and right and true from what is only a passing fad. This past week, a well-known leader in what was called the New Atheist Movement of the, the early 2000s uh, surprised many people by announcing that she would become a Christian. Ion, uh, Hirsi Lee is well-known for her work uh, for women's rights, her critiques of fundamentalism. Uh, she now works for the, the Hoover Institute at Stanford and she serves as a, a senior fellow at the Harvard Kennedy School of Government. And the title of her essay, published last week, was Why I Am Now a Christian. And in it, she gives three reasons for her conversion. First, uh, she realized that all the secular freedoms to which she was most committed as an atheist, like human rights, that these things all find their roots in the Christian tradition. Human beings have rights because they're made in the image of God with inherent dignity and and worth. Second, she found that Christianity offers a a commitment to truth, while at the same time offering compassion for sinners and counseling humility for believers. It rejects self-righteousness and insists that Christians must love everyone, even their enemies. And finally, In the end, she says that, as an an atheist, she found life without any spiritual solace unendurable, indeed very nearly self-destructive. Atheism failed to answer a simple question. What is the meaning and purpose of life? And she quotes uh, G.K. Chesterton, when men choose not to believe in God, they do not thereafter believe in nothing they then become capable of believing in anything. When you wrap the belt of truth around your waist, you know where you stand. You know why you can stand, and you know how to stand. Friends, this takes courage. There are good reasons to feel intimidated as we consider the state of our world today. Uh, You might feel tempted to to retreat and to hide in some source of comfort or, or false security. But God doesn't want us to do that. We are not those who belong to the darkness, but to the light. And when we put on the armor of light that God provides, we have the resources to be the people he calls us to be, to love him and to love our neighbors. And this means that there is something for you to do in response to all that he has done for you. Put on the whole armor of God. Wrestle against evil. Stand firm. Fasten on the belt of truth. This is why we gather together here every Sunday, to to hear the gospel proclaimed, to celebrate the sacraments. It's because as we do this, we remember what is most true We remember that the darkest moment the world has ever faced is when the Son of God was nailed to a cross, that he was stripped, he was beaten, he was mocked and crucified. But in that darkness, God's light of love and forgiveness and grace shone forth. And this is the love that he invites us to stand in today, to believe, to share with each other, and to share with the world. Do you believe this? Let's believe it together. Let's pray. Our Father, we do thank you that you are so generous. Uh, You are so gracious that you provide for what we need. And we do pray that you would give us the energy to put on uh, the armor that you supply for us today, uh, to trust in you and to walk uh, after our Lord Jesus. Uh, to take up our cross and to follow him in whatever way uh, in which you have called us. Uh, Help us to do that with joy, uh, knowing uh, that you are close and by our side at every step. Uh, We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.